I wanted to feel like Michael Parkinson or um, Piers Morgan, so I gave myself a, not really Piers Morgan, I gave myself an armchair, and we're going to interview Chris. So, so Chris is a psychotherapist, uh, um, specializes in relationship counseling, and um, I don't know what else to say about Chris. I met Chris as a, as a dad at primary school. Um, both of our kids went to the same school, and we were part of an after-school club for dads and lads and lasses um, doing team building things. So I got to know Chris through that and I've had some fascinating conversations with Chris um, over the last couple of years as well about various things. And as a psychotherapist, someone who's trained perhaps to try to understand and help people um, specifically in the area of their mental health and their relational health, I know Chris would have some interesting perspectives to bring on this as well. Uh, again, himself, not a religious believer in the sense that I would say I am. And so it comes from a different um, side of the discussion to myself, which I always find really helpful to learn from. Um, so Chris, welcome. You've taken your shoes off, so you're clearly feeling at home. Yep. <laughs> Have you turned that on? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I didn't turn. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. You were busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that? Is that coming through? Okay. Oh, that's weird. You're also going to have to sing a song as Britney, uh, do a Britney Spears impression with that microphone like that. Um, but here we go. So, Chris, one, and, uh, you, you sent me some questions to, to kick off, but you also said that you're much better off the cuff. So, I'm just going to ask you any question I want, really. Oh, um, yay. yay. Let's start by just asking your reflections as a, um, as a psychotherapist and some of the things you've heard tonight about mental health, or about busyness, rather, and the impact of some of that on people's mental health. What are you sitting there agreeing with, disagreeing with, and resonating with in your practice? Okay. It's uh, a big question. There's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, uh, th there was a few things. Um, uh, can you remind me, the first thing you said about being addicted to, was it addicted, addicted to business? addicted to our business. Yeah, yeah addicted to our business. I, 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 I was interested in that particularly because I thought, I, I mm. see it more as we're, we're lured into being addicted to business because okay. that, that sort of is useful for society to distract us and keep us kind of from standing up and, and, and kind of speaking out. It, you know, we, we're kind of on our tablets or TV or, or games or, or whatever um, and working hard for what we're uh, sold as a belief system in order to keep us enslaved, which I think relates to what you were saying about, you know, it's not people don't work, it's the slaves that do it and perhaps we've become the slaves. We're just not aware of it uh, until now. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, so, so you're a big believer in just the herd mentality that but, you but wouldn't necessarily go along with us all being unique individuals in our own expressions, but actually we're all conforming to some pattern. Absolutely, but but under the guise of we're making our own individual choices, like you know I'm I'm working hard because you know it means I can have these great things, and that says something about my status as an individual and you know how great I am. But actually, um, we've been deluded. And, and that we're just doing it for uh, because we're like lambs to the to the calling of uh, what we think is 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 what we want okay. rather than actually what we know is right for us. Okay, so quite a cynical it's, view of human nature. Uh, well, um, you know, <laughs> it's it, it a view. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, um, let's park that. We'll come back to that. Okay. I'm interested um, in practically then. Yep. Let's. Uh, given that that might be the reality that we're all conforming to some pattern of some kind, but nevertheless, um, cases of mental health disorder and stress-related illnesses, some would say, are on the rise. Certainly, um, Absolutely some are. studies yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. are on the yeah. rise. Yeah. So let, let's, just, let's start with that as a reality. 
and work backwards. How, given that reality, would you, what advice would you have to people to help them manage some of their own stress and poor mental health as a result of overwork or busyness, perhaps? That's another big one, isn't it? Yeah, well, that was um, your one. <laughs> actually, I went to your script. I thought this is unfair. So I actually gave you your great. first question. Oh, was it more, so did I think of that? Like oh, okay, all right, okay, fair, fair play. Okay, well, I, I was thinking about this in, in terms of, I'll answer it in a, a kind of, I'll come back to it. So I was thinking, thinking about this, I was thinking about being in, in Marrakesh, um, uh, that went a while ago, and um, I, I kind of leave the place we're staying and we go into the markets and there'd be like this array of like sounds and sights and smells and it would be incredible but in a short space of time I'd want to go back to where I was staying um, to kind of rest because what I soon realised was that it was just overwhelming it was too much and, and I think that's kind of in terms of business and mental health in society today is that all the stuff that is actually designed to make it easy for ourselves and, and make us think that we're kind of succeeding it is actually making us unhealthy because it's too much for our fragile humanness to kind of uh, manage. You know, it's just too much stimulation. Um, and so in terms of what, what is better for us, it, it's a kind of what you both said, is it's the coming back to the being rather than the doing. Because we, we kind of think we need to do and do and do, but actually if we pause for a moment and think, what, what am I doing this for? Initially we might have thought, I'm, I'm going to go and do, I don't know, I'm going to go and uh, 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 do some more uh, work, for example, because I enjoy my work and, uh, and I get a lot of um, uh, sort of uh, value out of it. Um, but actually when we stop and reflect, we think actually am I getting value or am I actually harming myself by making myself do more than actually what I'm capable of? I'm listening to the greater word of, you know, working hard, for example, staying busy is a good thing and it's a status thing and, you know, you're a better person for doing it. You have value to the world, for example. But actually, if you carry on that way, you're making yourself iller and iller and actually creating more problems in society because then society has to then look after your mental health issues because you become unable to do that yourself. So it's kind of it eats itself. Does that answer your question? Yeah, so in terms of managing your stress, you're saying you should stop doing the things that are yeah. causing you bad. So well, when I say stop, it's, kind of, it's, more, so it's more about a balance. So everything's about balance. So in terms of therapeutic terms, a lot of the theory comes about, about balance, about homeostasis, about, about creating a, uh, a balance between uh, negative stress and positive stress. So you know, uh, some things that we're, that, that we're busy doing are, you know, feed us and, and we feel good about it and actually enhances our mental health. So, you know, um, playing football with a few friends, for example, you know, um, you might think you're going to lose or, 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 you know, you're not going to be successful at the end of the game, but it's exciting and it's good physical exercise. If you were to play that for 10 hours, it probably wouldn't be so healthy for you. So it's, it's, it's about balance more than anything else, rather than to, to stop or to do loads. It's about, well, do some but not too much. And of course, that, that's an individual thing in terms of capacity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite hard to think of the examples that Paul used of factory workers, perhaps. Yeah. We might say they are in uncontrollable busyness. They're in a state of monotony, but they don't have lots of choice. So that yeah. presumes yeah. that there's quite a lot of choice. We can choose to not do that job, whereas the reality is most people Something. find themselves hemmed into a corner and think, I've just got to fight my way out until... Yeah. But so what, 
what would you say to people who are stressed and overworked and don't necessarily have lots of choice to stop doing the things that they're not enjoying? Well, that, that's the thing is that, that, that kind of I meet a lot in therapy and that people have this preconception that, that, that they have no choice and that they have to just keep doing what they're doing because that, that's the only choice they have. And the reality is we always have choice. It's just that sometimes the choice is really, really difficult because you may feel like you have to keep doing what you're doing in order to maintain what you have. But then what you can do instead is question what you have and is that really what you need or, and or want? And then that gives you then new perspective on, well, okay, how, I can think about this differently now. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, now that is helpful. Thinking differently about what you're doing then and embracing yeah. some of the perhaps more difficult choices, quitting yeah. your job, for example. Yeah, exactly. And embracing an element of chaos and uncertainty and insecurity. Isn't that going to elevate your mental health problems? Uh, uh, sure, obviously, you know, but then again, it, it comes about thinking about it in a realistic way. So, um, you know, if you're working really hard, but it's making you unhappy and you feel like you're stuck in that position, it's not fulfilling you, but the thought of ending that work is more stressful because then it puts you in an unstable position where you don't know what's going to happen next, then you think about, well, okay, how can I get from A to B in a way that isn't so stressful? So, for example, a simple kind of way of looking at that is you wouldn't just leave your job before you've kind of considered what else you could do or what else there is because then that would be too stressful. Mm -hmm. but, to, but to first contemplate, actually, I, my original thought was I couldn't do anything else or this is all I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And when you challenge that, you can then look outside of that position and mm -hmm. see, well, is there other possibilities? You know? Yeah, so by breaking the, the, the trap, or by breaking the, the illusion of the trap that you're in actually creates some freedom and re releases some pressure in your brain, yeah. your mental health perhaps, that makes you think differently. Yeah start to hope again absolutely it brings in help it brings in the sense of uh, a new sense of uh, oh actually hang on a minute i came from the position of i can't now i'm thinking actually i might be able to and and that's the difference you know yeah, yeah. And, and all it is, is is when we're busy as well the problem with that when we're actually busy or too busy is we're not actually having time to reflect and think about things more clearly you know this is a prime example of that is that is they're all getting lots of ideas and have an opportunity to think about things differently um, rather than this, this is where my thoughts are and they're like this partly because I haven't got any space to expand that because I'm just, the next thing is this, the next thing is this rather than if I give myself some time I can, hang on a minute, what else is there? Oh, there's some more people over here. I've just, I was focused on jazz but now I'm, I'm recognised there's actually people over here and I'm feeling more nervous. I'm just going to look over here again because this is better for my mental health. <laughs> yeah, mm. that's really helpful. So, w taking it to the level of, of stress, back to relieving stress, a big part would be about learning to think differently. Would you say? Yeah, learning to think differently is is, is one thing. So, an example would be um, physiologically, um, uh, fear and excitement are, are exactly the same physiologically. Um, but it's just a different thought. So, for example, if I'm on the edge of a cliff and I'm thinking, shit, I'm going to fall, sorry, whoops, I'm going to fall off, um, I'm going to feel scared, but the physiological things that are happening in my system and my body are exactly the same as if I was on the same cliff, on the edge, thinking, can't wait to, uh, you know, uh, 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 jump off here with my parachute. It's going to be so, you know, it's going to be so much fun. But physiologically, it's the same sensation. And so, so part of it is about changing your thinking can change your outcome. 
yeah, in terms of how you feel. So you reinterpret the data. So you reinterpret the data, thing. yeah. So I'm feeling this, oh, it's really bad. Or I'm feeling this, oh, hang on a minute, maybe I'm excited. You know? So, and that'd be the same about work. You know, I'm stuck in this, this job I don't want. I'm thinking about other possibilities. I'm scared. Are you scared? Hang on a minute. What about the possibility you might get a better job and you might feel happier? Isn't that exciting? Isn't that possibility something marvellous? Depends on your perception. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's interesting how, with the examples Paul was giving, where it wasn't necessarily in job work situations where you're scared, but where you're bored. Yeah. And so creating, in, his, in the example of the times, creating some level of meaning, or not meaning, but yeah. a story, a passing of the moment to yeah. at least get yeah. through the day. Yeah, I, I, I was really interested in that part, because I, I used to work in a factory, and I have my fondest memories of work from that time. Although the work itself was incredibly boring, the people I worked with were so much fun, and I really valued their company. You know, we, we made the day interesting and enjoyable, uh, but the work was hideous. It was, it was so dull. There was, there was nothing interesting about it. But I, and it was really hard to leave that position bec because of those people, and I, th I think that comes back to that you know, sense of community, sense of togetherness. You know, we're meant to be with each other rather than insular. And, and the other problem with, with mental health and society today is that it's kind of been bred that, you know, it's all about the self. And the self is important, but, but not forgetting about in relation to the other. Because actually by focusing too much on the self, we lose our sense of connectedness. And that's not good for our mental health. We, it creates social isolation, you know. By, by striving for being better myself, we actually lose ourselves and forget where we come from or who we are in terms of being human and what's natural for us. Yeah. I find that really fascinating as well, that you would say those are some of your fondest times, they were boring times. And we're yeah. An, an, an age and a stage now where people are trying to make every moment as exciting mm. as they can. Mm. And our technologies have tried to do everything they can to relieve our boredom by entertaining us. So every moment's very exciting that doesn't seem to be producing for us the levels of fulfillment that perhaps you're describing you experienced in a boring situation because of yeah. the relationships. And, well, that's an interesting point you made there because, because it's about stimuli. So the thing about technology and how um, social media, for example, works is it's, it's, it's a high stimulation level. And so we, we build a tolerance to input, to uh, stimulation. And so if we're used to high stimulation, we, we get a tolerance for it, and then we get bored very easy, so we need more and more and more, hence the more use of social media, for example. It's like, I've had an hour, that's not enough, I'm just going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And also it's designed for us, there's a lot of design that goes into it to make us want to use it and look at it. And so, you know, we're drawn to it in that sense as well. You know, it takes a lot of boxes in terms of how our brain works. But so, what, and so when I go back to the fondest memories of being at the factory, the stimulus wasn't up here, because it was okay for my humanness. I was connecting with other human beings. And so that was at a level which I could not only tolerate, but enjoy um, without, without becoming overwhelmed. Whereas I would argue that on social media, for example, the more you use it, actually, the more overwhelmed you feel and the more exhausted. And actually, uh, it's, sort of, um, it's more negative towards your mental health as opposed to positive. And obviously there's pros and cons, but it's, again, it's about balance. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you said something, that, a couple of things that I thought I'd pick up on that were really fascinating. One was about 
the more stimulus you have, the more you need. Yeah. And also the, the more bored you become with everything else. I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment about addiction that would yeah. say something yeah. similar. So it's that principle. That yeah. it, it triggers yeah. such a dr- like an yeah. adrenaline buzz yeah. about the thing that you're addicted to. Yeah. Everything else becomes quite mundane and boring, which yeah. means you live for that. Absolutely. The thing that's killing you. Yeah. Um, but the thing I find interesting, I want to just ask the question is, how do you, if, I think it sounds like you're saying, an antidote to stress and poor mental health is to develop more meaningful social interactions. Yeah. So how yeah. do we do that? Let's have some, some tips and hints and tips from a, a relationship guru. Okay, <laughs> I mean, well, there's, 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 an interesting, there's an interesting one that, 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 that kind of, um, so I'm part of, and it's part of the community here in Seaford already, so there's a, there's a club called Cycle Sea Haven, I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but that has grown massively in recent years, and it, it's a really good example of how, um, and, and w- w- there's, a, there's a few people in it that, that would, would say that it's absolutely been um, a, a massive part of improving their mental health. Um, and that's because it, it's not just about going out and getting exercise, which we've known for a long time is, is very good for our health, but it's, a, it's about the togetherness of the club itself and how everyone gets together and everyone supports each other, no matter what stage they are within cycling, um, helping each other to feel included and not left behind, not um, you know, being shamed for not being as good as another, actually trying to ensure that everyone feels o- okay about where they're at at any given point. Uh, and so that's an example of how um, you know uh, coming together um, can improve mental health, and that's you know that's with cycling as well. So coming together around a shared interest and a shared interest, yeah, certainly. You know, um, what are the? I mean, just some tips you might want to just throw out there on developing deep and meaningful relationships with people. <laughs> Is this just about me and you? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> How do I get to know you better? Do you like me? <laughs> Are well, we friends? I, I think, I mean, the, the point about, is, if I talk about the, the cycling again, is, is that it justifies um, coming together because I think we're led as well about um, quantity over quality and, and that certain things are, are sort of justifiably okay spending time together, but just coming together and being with you. Oh, can, I, can I really do that? Can I really come and just sit with you, Jez? I mean, is that enough? Are you fulfilling enough for me? My wife asked the it, same questions. I, I imagine. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, is my self-worth, my self-value, is, am I letting myself down if it's, it's just you and I just, just being? Can't we play pool or, or go for a run or cycling together? You know? Um, I mean, my banter with you, I've completely forgotten the question. I have to be, have to be honest. <laughs> some tips on how you to develop some meaningful <laughs> and close relationships. Of so, course. So pushing beyond, because I, I yeah. agree. Like when you're first befriending someone, yeah. you need something to glue you together. Absolutely. But once you're Mutual friend, interest. Yeah. you can just be. You can just be, of course. Um, but an activity allow, allows that joining, I think, because you've got a shared interest, and so you've got a starting point. But before that, I think particularly in British culture, it's very hard to say, excuse me, I'd just like to get to know you, please, because you, you seem like an interesting chap. You know, I, I think that's very rare that that's going to happen. But if you're on a bike and I'm on a bike, I might say, nice bike, mate. Uh, you've got a nice bike too, and we've got a shared interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can build it from there. So in terms of, in terms of that, that's, that's a brilliant way of doing it. I think, I think other forms are, um, I'm trying to think, I mean, shared interest is, is the biggie. Um, that that's grand, um, you know. I mean, pubs are very popular, aren't they? 
you know, yeah, you've got a shared drinking. interest. I used to work in a pub, and the amount of people <laughs> would talk about the drinks. Absolutely, fascinating. absolutely. Sample every you know. pint going, and one of the barmen got into trouble because yeah. he made a comment. It's not like you're choosing a car, <laughs> and he got fired <laughs> because choosing the drinks is very important. Absolutely, of course it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's part, part of the buying, isn't it? Yeah. So it's finding some glue that helps. So finding some glue is, is really short. The other thing is again what I mentioned earlier about the, the kind of self-reflection and having the time to kind of rethink about stuff to, to give yourself some contemplation time to actually wonder, do you know, I, I'm doing this and, I, and I'm doing the other, but actually, is that fulfilling me? Am, am I really, am I still liking that? You know, maybe I do something different. Like, I, I didn't know I was interested in cycling until I met someone at a school once, a friend of mine, who I, I just came because I was with my bike, and he then told me about, oh, you know, you're interested in cycling, you could, you know, come here and join. I ended up meeting a lot more people. Um, so uh, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is it, it's about contemplating actually what do I like, what don't I like, and being interested. Like an example is, so coming here tonight, um, you know, people are coming here might have thought, I don't know if this would be interesting or not. Um, you know, do I want to be here? But then giving themselves an opportunity might throw up other questions about, oh, okay, this has been interesting. It's made me think about other stuff. I wonder how I could be part of something more, or I wonder if I could, if there's going to be another one of these, or hopefully there isn't. I don't know, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever people think. Um, so, uh, you know, really giving one, oneself an opportunity to consider difference. And when we're busy, we can't do that because we're, we're just on the treadmill, mm. going from one thing to the next, mm. without actually even wondering, do I want to do this next thing? It just becomes habitual, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's helpful. So, I have one more question, then we'll probably just. Get pulled up and maybe throw it open to some other questions if people want to ask from the floor. Yeah, yeah. Um, that'd be really helpful, actually. Yeah. So, the uh, question <laughs> you've put down here, I'm quite interested in hearing what you might have to say is you've put, what is our responsibility with regard to mental health and stress? What are you getting at with that question? Well, I, I, think, I think because we've, we've become a, a very individualistic society, we, we've become less empathic, interested, considerate of others. And that's when you get a so like social isolation is, is the biggest I, I think impact on mental health social isolation social isolation um in that people feel they're not they're not connected they're not cared for no one's interested they have no worth they have no value because no one is actually showing an interest in them and so i think our part of what we can do with that is actually be interested in others take note if someone's uh, i don't know uh, not talking, being a bit quiet, looking silent, haven't contacted you in a while, reach out to them. And, and so I haven't heard from you in a while, I just thought I'd, you know, say hi. You know, no pressure, particularly if it's male to male, because, uh, you know, depth takes a while, you have to kind of dip in and out. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's about taking an interest in others and, uh, and, and meeting, making time for other people. We don't make enough time for others because of being busy. And I think I wanted to go back to Paul's point earlier about the when people aren't busy but they say they are and what's that about? So I think you, you passed me a ball. Um, and really what that's about is a justification because it's socially accepted that busy is okay and it's a good thing. And so if you say I'm busy, oh okay, I understand, no problem. But what it does for the person who's saying it and they're not busy, it says I feel overwhelmed, I just haven't got the, the time or energy for anything else right now. But rather than be vulnerable, and actually let another know that I'm struggling, I'll say I'm busy, because that's acceptable. But to be vulnerable, and I think particularly for a man, is less acceptable. And so that, that's what I'd say about that point. You know? 
It's a really interesting point. You just crack open there. And um, one, we get pulled up, and then you guys can have a conversation. And if anybody does have a question or two, we'll have that before we finish formally and let people just uh, hang around and chat. But let's show our appreciation to Chris. Thank you for coming and for sharing some of that. Paul, So um, there's not loads of us in the room, so you don't need to feel too vulnerable in asking a question. Um, <laughs> but does anybody have any thoughts for either of these guys or comments or questions? AJ, come on, kick us off. I'm not going to abbreviate that question or sum it up. So people didn't hear it at the back. What are your reflections and thoughts on that? So the difference, the pressure that we're finding on two fronts, the public sector and private sector, different pressures that are coming. Paul. Okay. Um, well, a couple of things. One, if I might, and, and to work my way to ages, it is a, it's just a, from a, a comment on um, Chris's opener, which was about um, uh, we're, we're being hoodwinked, we're being deluded. And for some reason, it, it, Karl Marx came to mind. Mm. Uh, and religion and, and opium all, all appeared in, in the same sentence. And I think the Marxian phrase that religion is the opium of the masses um, seems to have been first of all replaced by consumerism being the opium of masses and now potentially experience and busyness is a, is a similar opium I think Chris is the, mm. the point that so Chris the point was, is we're all addicts to yeah. opium at some yeah, yeah, point yeah, yeah. the opium yeah. changes well, mm. it, and because I think capitalism is very agile once religion no longer became had the opium opiate value to numb the populace, it moved to consumption. And when that no longer had its value, it's now moved us to experience, all of which is designed to, to have the opioid effect on us all uh, and, um, and to keep us um, in line. Mm. And, uh, and, and not thinking about death. And so. not, yes. And, and, and then it comes to, and to work towards um, age's point is, I think in work, um, that gets put into experiences of, of the times which you felt which we experienced which which marked off hours of the day uh, music's fantastic if you if you're any kind of radio listener ra playing playing the radio in works because every hour they have a tune they have this they have a new they have, the, the hours are punctuated by the radio for you so you get the beat of the rhythm of the day <laughs> likewise in non-work you get the, the beat of the rhythm of the week of tv you get soaps, you get dramas, you get melodramas, you get to live vicariously through others. And, and one string of argument is, um, it's all part of an, you know, you, in this major conspiracy theory that you may not sign up to, but it, I think it, it ties from Chris's early point about mm. the opioid effect of, um, of activity it, through work, through time, through things, through television, which all might seem rather engrandized sitting here, but I think it's the rhythm of the beat which keeps you from looking at um, other things. Mm. Uh, coming to the, the white collar, yeah, I agree, manufacturing is in a decline, but I think, um, White, the, the broad white collar sector, I would contend, picked up on all of the basic principles that manufacturing had got within the division of labor. So in, in hospitality, some, of the, some, some jobs in hospitality are the most rudimentary, the most um, tedious and lowest paid in, in many, some, some of them quite, in, in hospitals, some of them um, are deemed to be tedious, but the most essential, waste disposal in a hospital, for example, critical. Mm. So. It, the principles I would suggest, yes, coming from a manufacturing base, you, know, you can't draw it directly, but the general principles of the division of labor 
and extracting knowledge out of workers and making even white collar work. If you work in a shop now, if you, if you, if you used to work in Sainsbury's when it was first developed and you used to, do, you used to look behind the till, you used to have to be able to add up, you used to have to ring it in. All you do now is beep, beep, beep. You don't need to add up. Smiling seems to be optional because people are kept so under by these things going past. I, I hear from people who, who work in shops, one of the great things is, how quick can I pass it by? That'll make them. And how slow can I go before I annoy them? But that wasn't lost on management. And so now people are watched and they're told by the rate is dictated. You don't pass it too quick and you don't pass it too slow. So you don't have to think, you don't have to count, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to know what it is, you just have to pass it at the right pace. So my, my contention would be it's all, it's all the same as it was ever was in manufacturing. It's just morphed into our white collar and service sectors, AJ. Mm. Let's have another question. Yes. Absolutely right. My grandmother would chise me viciously because she used to take me cleaning windows when she was cleaning the windows, and I used to do the bottoms, and she did the bottoms, and my granddad did the tops. Um, so yes, most definitely, that, that is very true. It, it, it's, it, it's a privilege. I guess I, I, I was um, hoisted there because I think I should have disaggregated even further. But I think entering, at my, I guess my general point in the moderate defence was more women have entered the workforce than before, which I think has shifted out of the very hard non-paid work, which, which is house maintenance, child maintenance, keeping every, the whole thing running, has now moved into paid work out of the house. Therefore, all that work that was done inside the home is now left to be done in, the, in, in, in a smaller non-working non time. But your, your, your point is absolutely right. Or, or, or indeed, or indeed, absolutely right. With the two wages, you, you pay somebody else, and you try, and, or somebody goes to, to work because work is, in some ways, fulfilling and interesting, more interesting than for, for some people, basic child rearing. Um, that um, people pay so they can pay the nursery fees or pay the child mining fees because they're looking for when that point finishes and they want a career. So yeah, it, it, it has developed other industries of, of home servicing and of uh, nurseries, primaries, childcare. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. Chris, would you say that our emphasis on and value of paid work over unpaid work is having a is obviously having an effect on the way we conceive of the home and the value of the home? But do you think that's having a, a negative impact on children and the way that we're raising our kids and the, or the the, the well, role of motherhood and the value of motherhood in society? Or is I, it I, yeah? I mean, your reflections on that? Briefly, yes, um, <laughs> and also I think. In terms of business, I was going to mention something earlier about, I think it starts with children. So, for example, my, my son's in, in school, and, and he has a vast amount of homework. And I think that starts off the notion of working all the time. So he comes home from work, really, you could call it, being at school, and then he does more work for school. <laughs> and then so most of his time, rather than just playing and having fun, is working. And so you're already setting a precedence for that work is more important than anything else. And although I don't agree with that, I, I, I choose, but I, I'd say that I have to go along with it, because if I don't, I'm penalised 
or going against the system that says that is what we need to do. So I, I, think, I think it starts from that point, so not just uh, so aside from the child rearing, et cetera, but that school is, is a biggest part of creating a business for as we get older, and that, that it becomes the norm, we become, it becomes that, that is what we're used to doing. And, and in terms of, yeah, there is, I think there's more value on work and less value on child rearing, for instance, and I would certainly prefer to go out to work than child rear because I think child rear is incredibly hard and I think there's something so important about being with the family and having time with children that it is getting more lost these days because the social status of having career or work is, is said to have more importance. And even voluntary work is less so important because there's not the monetary uh, you know, reward for that. And yet people are actually choosing to give their time without having a monetary income for that to do it, I think I would argue has more value, you know, or more meaning, mm. if that makes sense. Can I just say the culture of education in this country? Yeah. That we send our children to school at the age of four and we get them to work virtually all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're much better. And we've known that for we've known that for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. And I think you've raised another good point there in, in terms of going to school so early. So you look at the four years old and how the brain develops and, and makes sense of things. It's so early on that they actually haven't got the cognition ability to be able to argue and think about. Well, hang on a minute. Is this is this right? So it, it actually becomes ingrained. This is a way of living, and so that's what we're doing to our children by with the education how it, the system how it is. You know, which I clearly fundamentally disagree with, in, in case it wasn't obvious. Um. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we've got time for just one more comment. Anybody who would like to say something who hasn't, otherwise we'll chuck it over to AJ. Yes, Joe. And, and young, young people, there's lots of statistics showing that young people, it's on the mental health difficulties are on the rise, particularly anxiety and depression, um, school-aged children, and it's, it's getting younger and younger. And, and that's because uh, my belief is that they're, they're just, it's a bit like we were talking about earlier with technology, it, things are becoming overwhelming. They're, they're putting too much on them that they can actually cope with because there's a belief that, you know, the, the more we give, the more they learn, the better they become. And it's absolute nonsense. Actually, it's about quality rather than quantity. And, and it, it really is impacting negatively. So it is, it, it's about, you know, from the young, it, we're, we're, we're damaging people from an early age by, by just putting too much on them, you know. Mm. 
yeah, trying to fit in, or all the rest of it. I think that's that's the point, isn't it? It's really difficult because, uh, as parents, we we need to adhere to certain uh, um, uh, rules, uh, and at the same time, we're listening to our children and thinking, yeah, "Well, this doesn't add up." But I, I need to get them to do this. But actually, I'm looking at them; and they're not well. And so, what, yeah, what do I do? And it, it's a real dilemma, um, uh, you know. Um, and uh, but it, it, I think, in terms of helping them, it, it, it's a, it's recognizing that so much is going on for them. It's not only the academic um, uh, stuff they have to do, but they're also they're defining their own identity as an individual and discovering who they are, who they want to be. Um, they're physically changing. All of that is going on that, that on its own is enough and then compounded with, and then you have to be brilliant as well at this maths equation and this English literature, and this, you know, it's a lot. And I think, but from that, it's recognised that so outside of that arena, let's not put any more on them. <laughs> They're already dealing with enough. So let, let's, let's have a bit of just, you know, mm. quality family time, quality time with friends. Less is more, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I really yeah, yeah, mm. and and, it, and it's it's not a norm. I think you know, um, in our household at the moment, we're having an experiment with uh, no TV, no tablets, no phones for two weeks, and and I and my son is really struggling because it's his go-to, and it, and it's like. A, but my my <laughs> what I'm trying to do is help him understand that it's okay to do nothing, and of course, at the moment, we're only a few days in. It's really hard. <laughs> but my hope is that at the end of it, he goes, what TV? Mm. Why have we even got that? Mm. You never know. <laughs> um. yeah, it's true. We do, um, we do May Madness every year. Yeah. We have a whole month without screens. And by the end of it, you realise they don't need them. They're very happy. Yeah, that's right. But you need to have. I think it's about a month, actually. I think that the theory is a yeah. month. And then you can. Yeah. Paul, what, we'll give you some, some Jerry Springer closing comments. <laughs> <laughs> if I might have a Jerry Springer closing question, I'd appreciate it. Um, I, 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 I would, I, a question to be prepared to answer is, and the ladies here has been great, I'm intrigued by what busyness is, what people think it is. Certainly it's imbued with, with, with terror and anxiety in some cases, but I do, I'd like to, it, somehow it's distinguished between time being occupied. I have this sense of people in, in the end of last century, their days were occupied, their days were full, and, but yet we don't say they were busy, but yet, they were completely taken up. We had a, had a conversation with a gentleman here about there's a difference between your days being occupied and now what this word busy means. And I'm really just be intrigued to hear more views about 
what busy is. Is it that there's a lot of things occurring, a lot of things occurring simultaneously, or is it a mental busyness? What distinguishes it from the past when people were equally occupied for large swathes of their time? Mm. So if people would offer a, a view, I'd appreciate it. I've, and it's one of these great things where you can't be wrong, actually. Whatever you think is true, because mm. nobody knows what the real answer is, so anything goes. Mm. Mm. Go on then, Isaac. Go on, chat. We'll call it time then. Consider whether or not hell is a reality. <laughs> oh, hell. Yeah. Uh, that's really fascinating. And I, yeah. I really appreciate yeah. Paul's yeah. comment actually about the mm. religion being the opium of the, the opiate of the masses, because it seems we've exchanged one opiate that enabled people to, or, or didn't make people overworked and busy to the point of terror, because it brought, whether, whether it is, is delusional comfort or not, it brought a level of comfort that reduced our busyness and our anxiety. We've swapped that opiate, perhaps, with an opiate of consumerism or of individuality and self-expression, which is creating more anxiety mm. and a sense of busyness and overwhelmed awareness of our own mortality and the limited amount of time we have mm. to do things within. And so we become exhausted trying to make sure we, you know, 50 places you have to go before you die, 100 experiences you must have <laughs> before you die, yeah. 60 books you must read before you die. Yeah. It's exhausting yeah. just thinking about doing all those things. Um, yeah, it'd be easier just to die. <laughs> you know, you know, less pressure. Yeah, yeah. Which is how some people might be feeling given the length of time we've, got, we've spoken for. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for uh, coming out tonight and sharing some fascinating insights into um, a very relevant subject for us. Let me show our appreciation to these guys. Thank you. Um, so, for those of you who, who appreciated and thought tonight was worth giving up a Friday evening for, it's been great to have you. Thanks for coming. I thought I'd mm -hmm. let you know that in a month's time, Alex, we put on the next slide in a month's time um, at the Cookmere Inn on Friday, the here it is, 29th of November. Um, we're going to be having just a discussion in a pub around the subject of near-death experiences and what that's all about. <laughs> so you're welcome to join us in that. Yay! We've <laughs> gone <laughs> from talking about death to near-death experiences. We like to, you know, think, think up cheery subjects to distract us from thinking about death.